Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post Atomic Hop Rock Podcast with your hosts, Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Covering episode one, the untitled pilot with Mark Darren. Hi, friends. Oh, oh boy. This is, uh, this is something. Oh, oh boy is right. Howdy. Yep. Hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Al. Hello, friends, Matt. This is, Hello. This is, this is one of my very oldest and very dearest friends, Mark Darren. Uh, he has never been on this show before. He's been on, like, some other stuff we've done, and, and, you know, we've worked together on some other things. But this is the first time he's been here, and he brought us this. this. Oh, yes. You have a lot to answer for, my friend. <laughs> Certainly have a lot to answer for my lousy evening last night. Well, this is my this is my therapy bad, moment. You know, this this is a thing that has plagued me for for decades and I I finally get a chance to talk about it and try to get it out of my system and kind of try to kind of find balance with it in my mind. So this is very therapeutic for me. So I thank you. So this is catharsis for you. <laughs> I love that this is, this show is like the Raven vexing you all these years, just like <laughs> trying to get some work done. And Cop Rock exists. <laughs> How no, can and I, and you I go can through confirm. life knowing that this thing was made? What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you either bury it like most people have. No, every every person I've I've mentioned it to said, "Oh right, Cop Rock. Oh God, that." <laughs> Like, everyone remembers it. They just try not to. Well, it's like the number one thing in, like, if you ever buy an Uncle John's bathroom reader, the number one article is like, hey, did you know Cop Rock exists? Let's talk about <laughs> Cop Rock for a minute. Is oh, really? Cop uh, Rock. I, it's where I first learned about it. Huh. And it's in more than one, because I used to buy my dad a bathroom reader every year. Wow. Yeah. I I would assume... Like that you knew this from The Simpsons because they referenced it on The Simpsons. I feel like that's one but, of those ones no. that like it's a reference, but it's like I didn't catch that it's a reference. Ah, oh, you just I just thought, thought it was, it was a, a Simpson thing joke. they came up with that couldn't be real. Yeah, ha <laughs> ha. I guess, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's stupid enough to not exist. Ah, what a great show. It definitely, <laughs> that definitely feels like something like Conan O'Brien or. John Schwartzwelder or whoever came up with this stupid uh-huh. idea, and you're just like, oh, that that's the joke. Cop rock. Okay. Yeah. It can't possibly be a reference to anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it is. And the best part, we were just talking about that the guy who created this is responsible for some of the, like, most successful cop and cop-adjacent shows of the era. Like, like Hill Street John- Blues, very famous cop show. Like genre forging shows, like yeah. stuff that yeah. changes what people watch, like like L.A. Law, and and then after this, somehow yeah. they gave him another shot after this, and he created NYPD Blue, and yeah, yeah. like staggering. Steven, do you think you could make that show without the singing? Maybe mm, <clears throat> only if I get to show someone's bare ass, but not someone attractive. Soul, get that man a contract to draw up the standard rich and famous contract. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you spent your life just writing kind of the same cop show over and over and over again, you've, mm-hmm. you've got to think, where can it go from here? Rap music. Yeah, what can I add to this? <laughs> but, oh, but not good rap music. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. White rap music. Well, I, well, I mean, technically, it was all people of color doing it, but it was so oh, clearly not. not. 
created by any. No. Well, why don't we, Matt? Matt, why don't you? Why don't you lay it all out for us? Why don't you tell us what happens in the untitled <laughs> pilot of Cop Rock? Oh boy. Okay, so we kick off this awesome show with cops breaking into a, uh, excuse the phrase here, a crack house where they happily beat the living shit out of the exclusively black population, except for one angelic white woman whose baby they literally pry from her hands. And the criminals all sing a song about how they're really free or something. And if you're wondering what it would sound like if Randy Newman wrote a rap song, <laughs> I have very good news for you. After the credits and an appearance by actual Randy Newman, who does not talk about how much he may or may not love L.A., much to my chagrin, we cut to female cop and sleazy partner, who talk about how much they want to have sex with one another, but can't because female cop is married to dumpy white guy. Then there is a car chase. Ernie Hudson and his partner shotgun guy appear. The car chase crashes into a playground, and shotgun guy is murdered. Ernie Hudson, who absolutely deserves better than this, actually says the words, Don't you die on me, man. Don't you die on me. Shotgun guy dies on him. I wish I could. Back at Cop Rock headquarters, the judge puts all of the male criminals arrested at the crack house back on the street because the prisons are overcrowded. Only angelic white woman and her friend miscellaneous woman are jailed. And then female cop pulls some strings to get angelic white woman out of jail and her baby back. Female cop tells angelic white woman that she should clean up her act and stop using whatever drug she's using. I assume crack, but we never see, see that because angelic white woman is angelic and white and always shot in soft focus so that we feel bad for her. She refuses to get into a program because she will lose her baby. Whatever. Female cop and sleazy partner flirt some more, and then female cop goes home to dumpy white guy who sings about how weird it is that she <laughs> loves him. It is definitely not for his singing voice. Back at Cop Rock HQ again, lousy chief and white cop number three at this point admire some Colt pistols and then shoot a Burt Reynolds cowboy that lousy chief keeps in his closet. Then the mayor gives a press conference about the dead cop and about how she's going to build an awesome new prison and name it after said dead cop. And then she sings a song about how fucking corrupt she is and waves around the magical suitcase from Pulp Fiction, which appears to contain about $300. <laughs> Then Ben from Veep shows up to talk about how he feels like he has to pee all the time. Armin Shimmerman swings by the courtroom to prove that, like Ernie Hudson, he is far too talented to be in this mess. And then there's a court case featuring the best song in the show, which mostly just means that the person singing it can actually sing. Then the white, then white cop number two kills an unarmed black man in his own home because two other cops bungled a caper or something. And white cop number three threatens to arrest white cop number two because he disrespects the badge. Nobody mentions the guy he killed. Then Angelic White Woman sings a lullaby to her baby before selling it to some rando for $200 because if we're going out, let's go out hard. Wow. This... Yeah. Jesus, man. Okay. Oh, the emotions. I, okay, let's hear some of them. What What are the emotions? Uh, my number one was <laughs> despair and boredom. <laughs> See, boredom. I, was, I was not bored. Oh man. I am like this is a this is a common complaint for me watching shows especially from the 80s and 90s. I get real bored. I was not bored here. This show was it, it kept going with its whatever the hell it was doing and most of it was just bad cliché cop show. Right. Oh yeah. With the occasional song, but I was not bored. <laughs> I don't What a I don't know strange how you could sentence. get bored. There mm -hmm. you're I I understand getting bored with the cop show. But then, what the fuck? They start singing. How does that not well, just capture your attention for a the moment? Thi the thing is, like, th the actual singing nails me, and some of like, and some of the the really weird stuff, like say a woman selling her baby to some rando mm. in a suit for two hundred dollars. For two hundred dollars, which yeah, you need crack. I mean, we all agreed you could do better. 
I, it was 1990. <laughs> Shop I mean, around a, le- a, a little at least. But, you know, even adjusting for inflation, that just that seems low. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's but the point. I, I don't know. So much of the cop part of it felt like this had already been dead and buried by, like, police squad and naked gun like 10 years before like well, see, that's, how are that's, you still doing all this cliche stuff you know that's the thing the cop the cop stuff is all so generic that anytime they were doing <clears throat> cop stuff i got really bored and also <clears throat> i can't <throat> tell any of these people apart yeah it yeah. was a very like, bad pilot like you're supposed to it, introduce us to the characters and i got hardly a sense of who anyone was i don't think anybody is named in this thing uh, yeah like, i like i, I couldn't I, tell you a name yeah, and you've uh, watched the whole series, right? No, or close to <laughs> no. it. No, why would I? I, I why see, would I do I've that? seen many of the episodes, but I haven't gotten all okay. the way. There's like eleven episodes. I can't sit through. Oh, all that. <laughs> okay. You want to see the shock that? Uh, so I pop up on Wikipedia to do a little research on this, mm-hmm. and the first thing that shocks me is that thing. This ran for eleven episodes and wasn't canceled right after the pilot aired, possibly uh-huh. in the middle of it. And the second thing, like, before I'd even had a chance to react to that, was that this thing won two Emmys. Do, That's do you right. Remember? That's right, it did. Do you remember what they were for? Uh, I can find out pretty quick. One of them was Just for, for like, best musical. I, okay. I <laughs> best mean, television cop musical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what was it competing with? Like, I think SNL technically is a musical because they have a musical <laughs> act. Like, what else is there? Yeah. Like you start, you're starting to see more stuff like that on TV now as as TV gets more ambitious. But back in the day, I, I mean, it might have been the only one in the category. Okay, nominated for five Emmys. Oh boy, which, that doesn't surprise me honestly because I can definitely see someone on this show going, "Oh, we're making, we're making real like it's, no one's doing what we're doing." Yeah, but it's the Stephen Bochco thing. It's seriously, he had like the the prestige, like he was the prestige guy. He was the one making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shows everyone loves, so I get like, oh well, his new thing obviously gets nominated. Like, but uh, it won for outstanding editing of a series, single camera production, and outstanding achievement in music and lyrics. All right, and both of those were for the pilot well, that we watched. Ooh, I mean, considering what it was up against, which I have no idea what that could even be. I mm-hmm. don't, in in nineteen ninety, there were definitely episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation edited better than this. Uh huh. Like I'm trying with, to think with a single camera production. Oh, that's a good. You got it. You got to narrow it down to those specifics. They did have some like janky handheld camera, like when they were doing the drug bust, which just like. Oh yeah. Matt, Matt, I assume you were reminded of your your former favorite television show, Cops, during those times. Oh yeah, that definitely made me <laughs> nostalgic for when I used to like Cops, both the show and the. The institution. People. <laughs> yeah, the institution. <laughs> I think if you ever did, this show would put you off them forever. I mean, it sure like, did. Apparently, this was also like one of the most expensive series that was being produced at the time. They had a huge budget for the show. That it doesn't surprise sense. me. I mean, the musical numbers. I didn't see it. Yeah, the musical numbers were horrible, which we'll get into. But they were ambitious. Like they yeah. were big, full-on dance numbers with a lot of people in them and, a, and big sets in a couple of cases. And like, yeah, there was, there was a lot going on there. Oh yeah, seems like a lot to invest <laughs> in this idea. And this is this is really uh, your good thing, yeah, Mark. Like the just the production values in general. Uh yeah, for the time that that opening number, the with the the way it was lit, the way they had the I. I it didn't look like stock footage of helicopters. It looks like they had all these these things going for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, the production values seemed pretty high 
you know, the quality coming out of the screen was didn't match the production value, but <laughs> well, the actual money they spent on it. Oh yeah. Well, the ca- it's got a huge cast of extras, like for the musical numbers and stuff. And honestly, like Cotbrock HQ looks really good. Well, I mean, that's like that. It looks like a real busy police station. Yeah, that they're gonna reuse over and over again, so they can spend a little money True. and then save money later. But like the, I, I don't think I they a lot on... of. Uh, hmm? I got a lot of RoboCop vibes from that entire scene. <laughs> I could see that. It reminded me a bit of when we watched. Uh, uh, alienation recently just because it's a cop show in 1990 Ooh, yeah. but um like that oh, uh, yeah. the the crack house or whatever it was like probably just the back lot and i bet i mm-hmm. bet that gets a little repetitive after like three or four episodes is what i'm saying like sure right like the the standing sets look pretty good but i bet they're not going on location you know what i mean mm-hmm. but you know yeah it did look good yeah i mean that said, we were watching a shitty like VHS transfer because no one's putting this on. Blue, right, right, right. It is on DVD, apparently. Is it? Wow. Uh huh. Because I went digging and I had to dig pretty deep before I found a copy. Because uh, yeah, there it is. D uh, on May seventeenth, twenty sixteen, Shout Factory released the complete series on DVD. Oh, wow. Shout Factory. That uh-huh. makes sense. Those those guys mm-hmm. love the uh, like the the cult shows. Yep. The, there must be a cult following for this, right? Like. There must be some huge... Besides just me? (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're talking to it, Al. (laughs) Yeah, that's a fair point. No, I remember living with you for a while. You had a VHS copy of I don't know how many episodes, but you had drawn a logo on the label. Yes. And I'd go looking for something to watch, and I'd reach and like, oh, no, not that. What else we got? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I probably had four or five episodes that... You know, recorded off the television on the VCR and just right. pop them onto a tape. Printed up a label to go on the side, nice and fancy. Mm-hmm. I'm but gonna, I'm gonna keep this forever. But it's or at least as long as VHS <laughs> is a thing. Uh huh. Oh boy. So uh, I, I don't know. We're doing good things, Matt. What do you got? Uh, so let me see here. I like the courtroom song. Okay, and. Turning it into a gospel song with the jury as the singers was actually really clever. Yes, I did think um, visually that was that was a very clever thing to do. Um, it might also be racist. I'm not sure, but the <laughs> singers singing it were very talented. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was the high point point for the show. Like, I didn't enjoy any of the songs except for that one, which I thought was well put together and kind of clever. Yeah, okay. I, on, it, on its own, I, I, I would agree with you, but I felt very uncomfortable with that number, as I did with a lot of the numbers in the show. Yeah, let's, mm-hmm. let's but talk about just, that specifically. They were very, like very the, happy. The tone of that, yeah, exactly, was, hooray, we've convicted a cop killer, which... Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, you're right, Matt. Like, that was the clever thing, was, like, the jury box looks like the congregation box in a church, and, like, if you're doing a gospel thing, that's, yeah. visually, that's pretty clever, but... Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you celebrating, man? You're, right. What is that? What? You lose all the weight of of what the jury is contemplating here. Yeah, the, and with this celebration of smiling and waving your hands in the air, woo! Yeah, it's gospel, very, gospel's supposed to be celebrating like the, the the positivity of of religion. Like I've found the Lord, and the light is in my life. Mm-hmm. And you're we're sending someone to the chair, woo! Like. Well, the whole the whole thing is very that 1990s, like, fuck all crime thing, you know? Oh, that wasn't mm-hmm. just the 90s. I think that started with, like, Dirty well, Harry. I fi- 
Well, that's sort of my thinking. Sure. Was you're coming, you're coming out of the eighties into into fuck like it doesn't matter what cops do to stop criminals. Like, yeah, no, and there's there's one cop in particular who's just like, I don't care about the rules and I don't care about due process. I'm gonna <laughs> shoot this dude in the face. Wow. Well, I mean, this is my bad thing. These are some of the worst, most unlikable cops I've ever seen on television. And I watch several <laughs> shows about corrupt, unlikable cops. Mm-hmm. Like, this show is full of cops torturing and abusing criminals, all of oh, them are black. While in custody, a cop shoots a guy in the, fa- in the face in his home and then plants an Uzi on him. Everyone is awful. Nobody is likable. And also, I don't know who anyone is. <laughs> Well, and I don't know who anyone is as, as characters, but I strangely recognize most of the actors at the well, time, yes. which blew me away. They have these very recognizable character actors that they mm-hmm. got to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they bribed them to do so. It was Stephen Bochco. I bet it was the prestige of like he's you know he's the guy. And okay, I couldn't make L.A. Law, but I'm going to be on this one. And did it's they not either... tell him it was a musical though? They must have just showed up on set and been surprised. I could see certain actors being real excited by that. It it, it feels almost like someone put a uh, like a thing that says Stephen Bochco uh, project under a box on a stick and just uh-huh. waited for character actors to find their way in. But like, for instance, Armin Shimmerman, who you know mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we obviously know better as Quark. But like, I bet I, first of all he didn't have to sing; he was just there. Yeah, and. Hey, I get to be like look, my ugly pumpkin head mug gets to be on like a, a show people are gonna see. I'm definitely doing that, you know. Like, uh-huh. I get it. Whereas on the other hand, Ernie Hudson deserved. I mean, I say this about literally everything he's in deserves so much better. Oh yeah, poor Ernie Hudson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like this was this was a few years after Ghostbusters, and the rest mm-hmm. of them had gone on to much greater fame, and he's got to do this. I th- I recently learned that like he was hired last for that new Ghostbusters. Like, guys, there's only three left. Like, <laughs> he should be at least th- the third guy you call. There was there Jeez. was there was a um there was an event that uh, Mark and I did some years ago to promote some stuff uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Comic Con, and mm-hmm. uh, Ernie Hudson oh, right. was one of the guests there, and. I missed this, unfortunately. Mark was still at our table. I had to leave early because I didn't live there and I had to, like, a long drive home. But he told me later, like, Ernie Hudson just came around after hours looking at people's tables like, hey, what are you guys up to? And just, like, casually chatting and just being a real nice dude. And Oh, that's really nice. He just came by and said, hey, guys, how's the con been? What are you guys up to? That's really cool. Nice talking to you. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Quick but sweet. Nothing to gain except nice. Like, huh? That would have <laughs> murdered me. Yeah, like I imagine just so. Hanging out at our table and just like Ernie Hudson wanders up. And just, mm-hmm. The only the only Ghostbuster I would actually like to talk to. Uh huh. The other two sound kind of insane. <laughs> <laughs> Harold Ramis seemed nope. like he would have been okay back in the day. Harold Ramis would have been fine. Unfortunately, he's not around anymore. I don't want to have a conversation. I don't want to ever talk to Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> How is Dan Aykroyd? That's yeah, that you. feels like you get trapped in that kind of conversation. I, I have had saner conversations on the bus to work. Like, <laughs> wow. have you heard about pyramids and, and crystal skulls? Thanks. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> thanks I don't think creating. you get to uh, I don't think you get to talk to Bill Murray. Bill Murray talks to you. Yeah, exactly. He just appears out of the ether mm-hmm. over your shoulder. I heard you I'm were here. I heard you needed help. 
<laughs> I've come to get your life back on track. He appears behind Ernie Hudson. No one will believe you're in Top Rock. <laughs> but he wasn't the only one. Like, there's a there's a lousy chief because, of course, there's a lousy chief, and mm-hmm. um, uh, played by Ronnie Cox, who a uh, big character yeah. actor back in the day. He played the uh, uh, captain in uh, Chain of Command, the two part next gen episode, uh, Captain Jellico. The the, yes. jer- the jerk who instead of saying make it so said get it done and like mm-hmm. uh, he's the one who made Cou- uh, Counselor Troy put pants on so I will always love him for yeah. that and uh, <laughs> not all not all bad <laughs> no no he was just mean but uh, yeah that ship needed a little mean I think Counselor what are you wearing what is <laughs> that? you're you're on my bridge put a uniform on what's wrong with you <laughs> but I uh, unfortunately he didn't get much but he did have one moment and this is my good thing. Mm. So he's got these weird novelty guns in his office, <laughs> and he's got a cowboy robot that's target practice. That was so weird, and it's oh, in yeah. his closet. That's what I want the show to be. I want it to live in the world where people just do weird shit like that. Like, embrace the quirk, man. Everyone needs something like that. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs a weird cowboy robot in their office, and then I'm on board, you know? Yeah, it'd be a great way to tell them apart. Well, yeah, and it's that each- guy's got cowboy robot. That guy drives around in a uh, in a living Volkswagen Beetle. You know. Oh, it gets weirder though. That that robot thingy in his closet continues on through the season. Well, I would hope and by the I would hope by the eighth episode that it's just out there solving crimes with the rest of them. <laughs> it better get a solo it song. Starts, he, uh-huh. he starts putting uh, cast members in that. Uh, so it becomes people in the cast that he's shooting at. Oh, and it's God. Not just, <laughs> it's not cool. just rando oh. criminal type. What a great thing for your boss oh, to yeah. do. Oh, it's terrifying. Also, I, I will give it credit. Um, as of 1990, many shows were still using the Atari 2600 Pac-Man sound effects. His actually used some sound effects oh, yeah. from uh, Super Mario Brothers. Oh, wow. About time. I mean... Shows are still using sounds from Pac-Man for video games these days. So yeah, I know, True. It's baffling. Oh god, it's infuriating. Yep, I love it. <laughs> I love it in the same way that I love Capra. <laughs> You're a complicated no man, sense. Mark. I respect Move that. On. Yeah. <laughs> I was explaining this to Amanda. She's like, "Well, why would why would your good friend pick something so bad?" I was like, "This this is the dynamic I have with Mark. Like, <laughs> I am." insanely jealous of all his professional accomplishments and yet proud at the same time like there's it's always so much good and so much bad with you it's never just one thing <laughs> i try to keep a balance finally get you on the show which is great like i've i've you know i enjoy talking to you you're a funny guy but we gotta watch cop rock <laughs> yeah oh, god I'm, I'm sorry but i'm not sorry no you're not no when like, you when you let me know this is what we were doing i'm like yeah that makes perfect sense I mean, I did give you veto power. I said you could you could say no to this. You are the co-host, and you're like, no, I can do I can do it. I can do Let's one do episode it. of anything. Uh huh. Well, I'm proud of you, Matt. <laughs> Thanks. No, my yeah. real struggle here was trying to figure out if this is better than Greatest American Hero. Ooh, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. That I think they're equally bad, but Greatest American Hero edges it out by being longer. Okay, so if you only had to watch one hour of Greatest American Hero, which is worse? (sighs) Then it might be Greatest American Hero. That at least tries to have jokes. There's no levity in this show whatsoever. I see. I think attempted comedy is way worse than no comedy. 
Mm. That's fair. Keep watching. What do you mean? Mm, no, I <laughs> no, don't I, think so. I can't. I can't actually, in good faith, <laughs> encourage you to do that. Uh, but the but the show, as the series goes on, they do recognize that there is potential for sort of the the dark humor, and and they they lean into that. They and it really it does actually help balance out these weird musical numbers when they're kind of leaning into that. Well, well see, that makes so sense. They find that, but you know, it's, it's not worth that journey to get there. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, I think I said this before we started recording, but like in the early nineties set in LA, what, what you do is you take the Crips and the Bloods and you make them into the West Side Story, like snapping <laughs> gangs. Like just, that's such a brilliant idea. And that was right off the top apparently of my head. The, the original idea. Yeah. The, the original idea for this whole thing I, I apparently stemmed from uh, the pressure on Stephen Bosco to make Hill Street Blues into a Broadway musical. And that was uh, what they were going to do. But uh, for whatever reason, he said, no, I don't want to bring this to stage. I want to bring that stage to television mm. and make my gritty cop show into a musical television number. And it was gritty as hell. Oh, yeah. You can feel the grit. Yeah. And this is. Uh, yeah. In such a weird, weird contrasty way that doesn't work at all. Yeah. The, 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 the musical numbers are so cheesy. <laughs> and you try to layer that on top of just grit. That's a, a terrible sandwich. Well, and Al, you had a you had a thing about this. The songs all feel like they're coming out of nowhere too. Yeah, like well, it almost feels like that's yeah, my it's bad been about thing. five minutes. Uh, time to roll out another song. I that's my bad thing. I was on board with the dumb premise of the show. Like I had to psych myself up all week, but it was like okay, I'm fi- like I usually do it earlier in the week. I waited to the last mm. minute because I really needed a minute to get myself like okay. It's a musical cop show. It's a, okay. I can do this. Here we go. And it's so uneven. Like when the yeah. songs happen is entirely arbitrary and the style mm-hmm. of songs almost never match the tone of the scene. Like we talked about with the jury thing. Right. Uh, there's a, there's a genuinely in, in a different context, a genuinely sort of touching scene where this one cop is singing about how he's not good enough for his wife. And he's kind of a schlubby mm. middle-aged dude. Mm. And his wife is very pretty. And he's the song is basically, I'm not good enough for her. And it's like, for the first time, I felt like it was actually doing the musical thing where it's like, oh, we're learning some character's inner desire that he would never say out loud in a song. I get right. it. But yeah. the it didn't fit the tone of the show. It didn't, like, it wasn't matched to this guy's singing ability at all. It had a lot of high notes. And this mm. guy's voice could not go where it needed to go. Oh boy. And it was just uncomfortable, but I could see the like I could see the potential there. Like that belonged in a musical on stage. I get that. The rest of it, I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Well, and here's the th- the, the other thing about that was right before we started recording, I was looking up a list of songs Randy Newman had written. And that song is on a list of so- like the most personal important songs that he's ever written. Yeah, dude's been in the business for what 30, 40 years, so he's got a pretty big body of work. Yeah, and, and that makes his short. We list, didn't. Huh? We yeah. haven't actually introduced Randy Newman as part of this equation oh. yet, have we? No. Now is he? I forgot. Let's for do that. All of the music, or just as the far as I can tell, mm-hmm. and, and I haven't done a lot of research on this, but as far as I can tell, he's responsible for all the music on this show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And yes. In a certain and, sense, and, you 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 get if you're making a musical, you get an established music guy i get that but yeah of course him really yeah, someone with their finger on the, the pulse of the what yeah. the culture of the streets was at the time in the 90s mm-hmm. you think randy newman 
Uh, yeah. I mean, he because loves, he loves L.A. Yeah, he, he does. But this is not in L.A. Okay, uh, I'm seeing he didn't. Uh, he did all of the songs for the pilot. Ah, okay. Yeah. So not, not going forward, it wasn't all him, but the pilot's all him. But that's still a sort of setting the tone. Like that's a big deal. It's like for the Batman animated series, they use the Danny Elfman music. So it's like mm-hmm. here's here's the blueprint. Here's like the star power <laughs> stuff that the rest of you need to live up to. And Randy Newman's the best they could do, huh? <laughs> not only did he write the music, he's featured in the opening t- title sequence. It's just oh, him boy. at a piano singing the cop rock song. Oh Which- yeah, well the cast <laughs> watches. Yes. And at one point there's like a there's like a crane shot. Like they make like it's a really big de- it's like a like a Elton John type thing. Like he's a big mm-hmm. deal, you know? It's not just like mm. tinkering around on his piano in his in his workshop or something. Like he's on a stage mm-hmm. or or you know, recording or wherever, but like there's these big sweeping shots and like sort of gauzy lighting, like like mm-hmm. they're trying to make him into meatloaf. That's what it is, meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although and if you'd like to hear what that theme song sounds like, it's my quote. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah. It's um it it does remind me of those like 12 15 minute meatloaf videos that were running around this time on MTV. Oh yep. yeah. Uh, and that was you might have seen this site on social media. I said, "Who's this Randy Newman motherfucker?" Wait, that's literally Randy. <laughs> yeah, they got Randy Newman. <laughs> they got. Yeah. They they definitely Well, didn't. they found him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I heard you guys were making a cop show. <laughs> the observational lyrics of Randy Newman describing <laughs> the everyday life of the... And then, and then we cut right back to this cop who's, like, shoving a... Like, trying to drown a suspect. Yup. And, like... Oh, God. Oh, so much. Just Liter- literally waterboarding a guy in this. Yeah. Waterboarding him with hot coffee. Yep. So also scalding him. Yeah. Yeah. There's what a great character. What a great show. And especially in light of where the world's going now. I mean, these have always been problems, of course. But uh-huh. with the way everything is now, do I really want to watch a show where a white cop just point blank assassinates, like, fucking, like, against the wall, just shoots an unarmed black kid? Really? Really? Yeah. Well, no. Uh, no. But that's okay. There'll be a song. It wasn't meant so. to be watched now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I'm not sure and, if it was meant to be watched then. And then plants a comical 1980s Uzi on him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who was this for? That's what I. One of those things that has been plaguing me for years, <laughs> and for the longest time, I was convinced myself that the audience for this was sort of pushed by the musical Rent. Mm-hmm. I I. I that, you know, here's a musical about grittiness and sorrow in people's lives, and it had a yeah, big following, and and so they want to hook into this audience and kind of bring that to television. Mm. Mm-hmm. This show predates Rent by about four years. 
This show inspired Rent. So I have no idea who their audience was at the time. I don't know who they were trying to go after. It blew my mind when when I found out this had nothing. It was not in any way inspired by that. That's just nope. We're cops. We're gonna sing. What did music musicals look like in like the nineteen like that nineteen ninety nineteen eighty nine like? Was it still a thing? Well, like, I mean, there weren't any on TV. Certainly. But no. as far as, like, I mean, this is around when I was in high school, so a lot of the theater kids I hung out with, like, were big into the stuff that a lot of people are still into, like Andrew Lloyd mm. Webber and shit like that. Yeah, like, like yeah. Phantom of the Opera kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. Was out. That was all big in the yeah. early 90s. Yeah, I would like, say that was kind of the heyday of, of that stuff. Like, the, the, Cats, the Cats movie would have gone over great mm. back then. <laughs> oh, that's the only thing this show was missing was cats. Look, look, oh. if if our if if our new friend and now regular guest Devlin had a chance to convince us to watch the cats movie, she is obsessed with it. She, uh-huh. Like it oh, is the wow. greatest thing in the world to her idea. No, just, I've been, it is the, is the cats movie this era's cop rock? I believe that it is, yes. <laughs> look at it. Oh, I have looked at it. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise look. me. I get a, I get the same feeling. Yeah. Like, what is this and why does it exist? Who wanted this? People paid money for this? A lot of money. There look at the prestigious, A lot of money. The prestigious cast that's involved in that movie. Oh, I know. Like, isn't um uh oh god, what's her name? One of those dames. One of those fancy English ladies. <laughs> One of those Judy dames. Yes. Yeah, that's her. I always yeah. I always mix up her and uh, Maggie Smith, and there's like two ah. or three of them who are about the same age and about the same sort of level of dignity. Stature, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, no, Judy Dench is in it. Yeah. Fucking Idris Elba, whose star has oh. never been higher, is in it. Yeah, oh. baffling. But you know, again, they were they were good actors who should have known better in Cop Rock. So sure, I can't get the image right now out of of my head of of the the cast of cops, but I mean cast of cats uh-huh. dressed as cops. But they're still cats, right? Well, no, they're still cats. They're just now they're in cop uniforms because these things are blending together in my head. <laughs> but I'm not picturing like a like a, uh, a sort of reality like like a, a real cop uniform. I'm picturing more like a stripper cop uniform, which is just sort of like the badge and the hat. Hot, cat. <laughs> Hot cats. Yeah, just the broad strokes of a uh, of a, ca- of, a of a cop costume, not the not the yeah. real, the real deal is what I'm saying. Oh, oh god, man. we have to move on from this. And the cat, yeah, we... and and no, 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 because then the cat criminals they chase are wearing striped shirts and uh, like band- <laughs> bandit masks, and carrying sacks of catnip. We've created a sort of mental be crime here. Yes, cat rock. It'd be awesome. This, oh, this has to be better than all the the sum of its parts. Al, I've got a check here from Stephen Bocho Bo- with like 12 episodes. Uh, I mean, he's dead, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> I looked at, I looked him up because I wanted to see like, because like I said, after this, they let him do NYPD Blue, which was famously a hit. Sure. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he did some other stuff after that that was also very I popular. I think so. I, I wanted to know if he was still in the game. And unfortunately, he passed away a few years, but uh mm. Like I just I wonder how long of a streak you're allowed to have, and how many failures like this you're allowed to have before they finally say, "All right, that's enough." Well, I mean, the guy works. St- I'm looking at like a list of what he worked on, and I mean, he worked steadily through the '80s. Like LA Law has yeah. been around since '86. Like, yeah, well, 
I mean, it's, Hill Street Blues, like, yeah, I get, I get that you get one that's like, <laughs> except I mean, then he went on to create Capital Critters, so never mind. Oh God, Capital Critters! Wow, I haven't thought about that since it happened. I don't think, I don't think I'm familiar with that. Something I'm gonna have to Google. Do you, uh, do you remember the run of so after The Simpsons became a huge thing? That run of these are all the cartoon shows that all the other networks are gonna try and. They were in the pipeline for years and years, and some of them never surfaced. There was, like, uh, Fish Police, uh, and there was um, Family Dog. Yep. <laughs> I don't think I am aware of this. Family Dog, at least, was a Brad Bird creation. No, there was, huh. there, I'm not saying it was all bad. I, there's a, a guy who at least used to listen to our show who's a big uh, uh, Fish Police supporter. Wow. I mean, someone has to. Yeah. But, you know, what I'm saying is, like, there was this whole boom of Simpsons knockoffs, but because animation takes so long, it took them, like, three years to show up, and then no one cared. Sure. But I think Capital Critters was part of that. Oh, Capital Critters starred Neil Patrick Harris. Wow. But he would have featured been, Bobcat Goldthwait. He would have been Doogie Howser age at that point. Like, he, you know. Well, just past Doogie Howser age, I think. Probably would have just taken what they gave him. Like, you know, now he's got better taste. <laughs> presumably although i he'd be all over cop rock i bet that like, i mean they should have hired him he has actual yeah. talent that's what i'm saying but if they made it today mm -hmm. like you know you get like big musical you get like rachel bloom yeah like people who have a sense of humor and also can do musicals like i could totally uh -huh. see the show working today is my point just more sort of ironic <laughs> oh absolutely combine I mean, cop rock with like brooklyn 99 you got a hit yeah I mean, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was literally a musical. Like, every week they had two yeah. or three original songs, and I really enjoyed no, I don't it. watch it, but I've heard some of the the I, some I, of the songs, and it's very good. Yeah. I think if if you took the right approach to it you can and make it a, like a Netflix show, it would probably be pretty successful. But in an era where there were, you know, three channels yeah. to choose from. <laughs> oh, no, Fox was a thing at this point. <laughs> okay, you've got four. You've yeah. got four. And this is one of the things you put up. Right, it, it boggles. Mm. It boggles the mind. I know. See, that's the thing. I that's the thing I come back to when you ask who is this for. It's like, well, it's for people watching TV on Thursday night. Yeah, that's a good point. Although I definitely think there's there there had to have been a layer of sort of like Emperor's New Clothes to it. Like, like I love this guy's shows. This is his next show. It's been nominated for an Emmy. I must like it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I don't know if anybody said that. No, but I could see that, like, that def that kind of thing has definitely happened. Where, like, I mean, a, I, I, a beloved creator has gone on to make something less good, and people are just so desperate for new content, they're just like, yeah, I, I think I like this. Yeah, all right. Oh, sure. You know, watch, I mean, watching it is, is I, I just couldn't stop looking at it. Yeah? Yeah. You know, like a train wreck. It, yeah, exactly. It, it's like, how, how can this thing keep going? Mm -hmm. Why didn't they just stop after that first number and say, this, nah. We're done. Just the entire cast looks at each other and is like, "What are we doing?" <laughs> well, we haven't really talked about that first number, which is your bad thing, Mark. That they they open with a rap of a bunch of do like a, a is, is a drug bust, right? Yeah. And it's a bunch of black dudes rapping the, the whitest raps written by probably Randy Newman. Oh, yeah, it's very very un comfortably racist oh yeah yep uh even at the time when i was watching it in the 90s it felt like this is not right mm -hmm. 
No, and there was there was so much, like there was a broad spectrum of racism. You had your casual racism, you had your overt racism, like it was institutional racism. It was all on display. Mm. Uh huh. You the one cop was clearly coked up, right? The the violent one who would fly off the handle and like, just oh yeah, beat up suspects and all that. Like, must right. have been. Mm-hmm. So, that's worse than crack. You're on. Coke, it's, it's cocaine. What? Uh, never mind. Oh, it's because well, you're he's white. The of bad, he, he's the bad cop, so. Is he, though? But he's, still a, but he's still a cop, which makes him better than the black criminals. The, the story basically <laughs> is the cop killer is, like, killed, and the other cop killer is, like, punished. So, really, that bad cop wins. Mm-hmm. Like, he gets everything he wants. Yeah, it's almost like this isn't a very good show that's not written very well. <laughs> well, okay, but what I'm saying is this is a guy who wrote successful cop shows like i bet his other shows were like this too is what i'm saying like this was sort of the status quo this is pretty I mean, standard cop show stuff that that's the other thing i was thinking like we're, we've come a very long way since 1990 like you know <coughs> i think we've all got different opinions of what we want to see cops do on tv shows now well a lot and of not us. murder suspects is a big one for a, me. A lot of us do. If more mm. of us did, maybe things would be better. I mean, but I mean, I was referring yeah. specifically to you and I. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. No, I. We, you know, on on the podcast where Amanda and I review Discworld books, there's a whole you know subset of Discworld books about the the Night Watch, the the, mm. the police, and we always have to preface those with, but of course, this is a fantasy world where the police are good. Yep. Yeah. Uh. Because yeah, this. Like, I'm not a people see things on TV and do things they see on TV thing, but making all this normal and okay must have influenced some people, right? Like, Oh, totally. Especially if it's not just this show. No, if all cop shows are basically saying, rough up those suspects, who cares about their rights, then your average Mm -hmm. viewer's like, hey, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, It's definitely a great way to dehumanize black people. (laughs) Yeah, and, and just suspects in general i mean specifically mm-hmm. in this case people of color yes but well yeah uh just oh. and i was willing to give it some credit because this isn't a very white show there's a lot of like people of color in it which was great but that might have just been for the sake of making some racist points and singing some songs that would have been weird with white people i don't know uh-huh. uh, it's yeah. all very problematic <laughs> yeah oh but then yeah Oh, God. No, I, was, uh, I don't have a formed thought. It's just sort of, there's potential in there for them to have been making statements yeah. about racial oh, inequality. Absolutely. But if you, if you dig, you could almost see them, but they definitely don't intentionally hit that. No. Yeah. And, and then, so let's talk about a, music, uh, a, a musical number we haven't talked about yet, which was all white people, which was the mayor taking a bribe oh yeah oh yeah what yeah so again the tone the tone of this was uh i was a small town girl but now i've made it big and people are paying me suitcases full of money to build prisons yay right what's wrong with that nothing what we're doing it guys it was almost a love song it was almost like a a politician singing uh, sort of an adoring song to her bribers mm-hmm. <laughs> yep and them approaching her like suitors it was it was gross yeah and it was very weird there's there's potential for irony there but the show didn't really follow through with that exactly 
That's what I mean. It feels like it's there. Like I, in my heart, I wanted to believe that the rhythmless dancing and the oh. complete awkwardness uh, of the character's body language mm-hmm. was an intentional statement about white privilege. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not. No, I I have seen better dancing at my wedding. <laughs> You're just saying that because hey, it's your anniversary, aren't you? It, it was my anniversary. Happy anniversary. So awkward. Hey, Thanks. happy anniversary. Thanks, man. Yeah, it, it was it was very awkward. Also, she had the biggest hair. Oh my god. It's huge. Oh yeah. man. So I mean, that was the style of the time. She reminded and, me and, 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 okay. and a dress that felt like she was imprisoned in it. <laughs> like someone had man in the iron masked her into this dress. <laughs> oh boy. If you, if you guys had watched into future episodes, they a plot line becomes how ugly this woman is. Oh my uh, god! That is serious. I mean, not not subtle. They tell her she's too ugly to run for politics. Mm-hmm. She's described as hug ugly, the ugliest thing they've ever seen. It really, it uh, it really gets really gross that, about it. And, it's, and then she horrible. goes and gets plastic surgery. Oh, so it's not a statement. That's on the like, answer. It's not a statement on like. Uh, the patriarchy and how women have to conform to unrealistic beauty standards. It's just, that's just what happens I mean, on the surface and that's it. sort of is. It, it wants to go there. Uh-huh. Uh, but it never does. Well, I, I, to be fair, I haven't watched all the way through to see where it goes. Sure. But right. she ends up going, getting plastic surgery and becoming beautiful, <laughs> although I didn't actually notice the physical difference well they couldn't I actually give the actress it. plastic surgery Pro- so probably like a haircut and a wardrobe change good enough but there wasn't a haircut no. so still the crazy hair oh. i think they just removed some of uh, the fake nose she was wearing originally ah. <laughs> she reminded then... me of um in the naked gun movies nancy marchand who would later be tony soprano's mom but uh mm-hmm. she was like the no-nonsense I, th- I think police commissioner maybe the mayor but like the the one that uh, Frank Drebin kept fucking up around. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I watched that last night, strangely enough. Ah, oh, nice. So, Mark, is this show serialized? Like, did it have like a plot running through like the later episodes? Uh, a bit. Yeah. Like by the a standards bit. of the time, maybe because I know there wasn't a ton of that back then. Right. I mean, they they definitely that the bad cop killing the the guy that stretched out for several episodes it, it, it felt like it was supposed to but i wasn't sure yeah no his and friends his and friends of course were not the uh, the it. baby selling oh boy oh we oh we we come back to the baby selling oh Good. yeah yes that definitely can it's a it continues what and again like, i have not watched the series or... what was it i think it was the simpsons where like a, a a woman who's supposed to be on crack or whatever like eats her baby in a sandwich am i thinking what what is that from? that was a simpsons episode yeah <laughs> okay it just it feels like that was only about half a point more ridiculous than this mm-hmm. yep like all the cop show parodies i've seen are barely worse than everything they did in this so that's that's yeah. kind of why i enjoy i was embracing the badness well, they, they of the chased cop down stuff. the uh they chased down the uh the the baby selling ring mm-hmm. <laughs> good that's, that's important. going on you know, they, they create a sting operation and go go trying to buy babies from people. <laughs> For $200. So they they deputize an infant and then send it <laughs> undercover, I assume. <laughs> yeah, that resulted in the spinoff, Officer Baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. Which was not a musical. It was just a dark, gritty. 
<laughs> baby cough. I mean, I it was a weird remake of Look Who's Talking, but with a baby. <laughs> but they did still, weirdly enough, get uh, Bruce Willis back. But uh, they wouldn't let him sing. After uh, after the return of Bruno and Hudson Hawk, they're like, no more. You don't get to sing anymore. Sorry. <laughs> Kept trying to break out the harmonica. Nope. No, Bruce. <laughs> we told you. Call me Bruno. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> when I have the harmonica, it's Bruno. Uh, there was also a uh, a car chase that basically was the sabotage video. Oh yeah, just like the the way it was shot and like the way the cops are like you know sliding on the hood of the car to jump in and it just it was so just, I, I, like I said the the more ridiculous aspects of just the cop part without the musical were just so bad. I was just like, oh, I'm just watching like a, a McBain segment on uh, <laughs> on The Simpsons. This is this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it doesn't know it's bad, but boy, is it. <laughs> like Matt said, they literally say, uh, don't you die on me. Don't you die. Like, oh boy. Yeah. They make Ernie Hudson say that. He's better than that. He's definitely better than that. And then you cut to Cop Rock HQ and you got the cops going like, hey, crime is bad over here. Like, <laughs> you're busting my balls over here. Oh, boy. Just and then they sing about it. Mm-hmm. They sure do. But but the singing isn't great either. No. I mean, they, they no. didn't hire singers. They hired actors. And there's plenty of actors who can sing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But for, for something whose hook is the singing, yeah. that certainly doesn't shine as and maybe the premise the was thing to bring you to this thing. Maybe the premise was these are regular guys singing. There was, uh, you know, uh, the detest- yeah. I was wondering the detestable Woody Allen in the '90s made a, a musical that the whole point of it was he cast a bunch of just actors who don't really sing, and the point was these are all regular people like singing in the shower or singing in the car or whatever, and like they're spo- you know, uh-huh. and he pl- sort right. of played up the comedy of that. And like, if that's your artistic choice, I get it, but that. I don't think was the point here. It, it, I'm not. Mostly, I'm not sure. It's mostly, really hard to tell. Yeah, and and if you're what making if, a choice like that, it needs to be clear. Yeah, what it feels like was that can you sing was like the last the last thing they <laughs> ask any asked any of the people they hired for this show. It feels like they made a cop show and then it was like a after it had been made, they're like, what if this was a musical? And then they went back. Like, <laughs> well, the people we hired aren't singers. That's ah, fine. Yeah, we're not gonna reshoot. We'll just we'll just get them to sing. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Everybody can sing. It's, nope. It's, it's weird. The, the quality of of the singing, and I, I don't mean to knock on them by any means, but it it felt more like they were like singing on set as opposed to having recorded it in a studio where they can clean it up and then right. Oh yeah. It. You know it. Yeah. it that just felt really bizarre. Maybe that was part of the choice. Is it meant to be felt like it was, like you said in the moment, and that was just everyday yeah. people kind of bringing that performance. Mm-hmm. But it's- and and I could see that as an artistic choice if it fits in with the gritty realism of the handheld cameras yeah. and the you know the dark side of whatever. But it it just they didn't get that point across. It just felt poorly made. No. Yeah. But on the other hand. <laughs> Uh, what's on the other hand we watched cop rock is this the cop hand or the rock hand (laughs) (laughs) 
It can only be one or the other. There's the cop and there's the rock. <laughs> well, the weird thing is on, on Fox. We they know had, they do not mesh. They had a show called Cops and they had a show called Rock, but they were very different shows. Well, that's true. Yes. Rock ROC. I bet you forgot about that guy. Oh, yes, yes. I did. Mm -hmm. I have a weird memory for all, like everything Fox had for the first couple of years. I don't know why. Like Beans Baxter and like. Um, Excuse me? <laughs> Beans Baxter, don't you remember Beans? Oh, you wouldn't. You were very young. Mark probably remembers Beans, yes. Beans Baxter. I definitely remember Bean Baxter. And uh, what was the knockoff uh, Ferris Bueller show? Uh, that was Parker, Parker Lewis, Lewis Can't Lose. Thank you, yeah. That I do remember. Yeah. And that, so, like, when you asked me what TV was like in the 90s, I, I remember that network. I don't remember what the others were getting up to, and now I understand why, because it was fucking Cobra. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll watch the the shitty kind of experimental bad but at least different shows on Fox than than this, you know. Mm. I want them to revive this. Mm. Like I say, I think you could do it right. Like musicals can. Like, you could. I don't know if I want them to. Oh, you want it to still be this? <laughs> I kind of want it to still be this. You want it to be like CSI but with songs? Yes. Just sort of keep it like this forever. Keep it in like a museum oh, so that people can admire it. Bring Ice-T back to his roots and uh, do a Law & Order uh, musical. Oh, God. Law no, & Order that, was on so long, I can't be believe good. they didn't do a musical, honestly. Yeah, it's true. Although Ice-T probably probably don't do Cop Killer. That might not be the best, uh, <laughs> best song from your repertoire. For this one there, Ice. Uh, what else? Anything? I think we covered all the major We covered it. We covered here. the baby selling. We sure did. <laughs> the baby selling. Which might have been the yeah, most. Yeah, the Pulp sort Fiction of... briefcase full of money. Oh, yeah. No, I think I think that's it. Yeah, that's everything I got. Okay. And we ran yeah, your... There's not really a whole lot to talk about as far as the plot goes. <laughs> not very interesting. No, it's no. very standard <laughs> cop stuff. Like, dude has a dead partner. They're chasing after the cop killer, and... The subplot is about a woman who sells her baby. I mean, it's beyond just standard cop stuff. This is really, you know, super uh, stereotyped archetypes. Yeah, but... Like <laughs> you know, I'm, say, the, I'm the loose cannon cop who doesn't play by the rules and I only work alone. And I'm going to shoot people in the face. There was <laughs> literally the, the lousy chief calls them, you daredevils. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. That was the judge. He's like... I gave you a warrant last time, and you went to the wrong house, you daredevils. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, boy. Oh, so bad. So uh -huh. bad. Also, just, you, you guys are right that just about everyone in this was too good for it. Even, like, the the um, the black kid who played the, uh, the cop killer. Like, he had this amazing evil smile. Mm. When he's when he's being like harassed by the cops, and he's just got this manic grin that looked like he could play like a fucking, you know, uh, slasher movie serial killer or something like, mm. and I bet his talent was completely wasted on crap like this. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh that's a very good look. Oh, he gets to say is you ain't got nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you ain't fat. You ain't nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> unless you guys have anything else, I think that's about it. I, th I think that's it. Uh, uh, there's nothing else to add. Mark, you got something to plug? Oh, sure. Why not? I've got a, an upcoming video game I'm working on. It's, yeah, uh, you do. Nick Bounty and the Dame with the Blue Chewed Shoe. It's uh, looking to come out close to the end of the year, although it might be pushing it back a little bit 
further um, into the beginning of next year. We'll, we'll see where things go. But uh, you can wish list it on Steam right now, and you can go to pinheadgames.com to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And that's a point-and-click adventure game. You, you did a few of these as uh, indie games, like in the early 2000s, that were very successful. And, uh, yeah. And, and got you some pro work, and now you're mm-hmm. sort of circling back to your roots, which is great. Uh, Mark, for those of you who don't know, uh, worked with us to make the uh, Nick and Willikins game we did uh, last year. Woo! Still available on Steam. Yes. and uh, For free. Very pleased about that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and also, I, uh, I helped uh, with some jokes in this, in this new thing, and uh, I have a small voice role, so... Uh, Yay. Yeah. Very excited about that. All right. Well... That's all for this time. Uh, as usual, the website, postatomichorror.com. Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter, at Algar, at Robot Matt. Uh, Mark, do you want to give your Twitter or anything? I'm unclear as to whether you have decided to Twitter or not. For the longest time, you, like, made one tweet, and, like, that's it. That's all I'm doing. I know. <laughs> it went lasted nine years with uh, one tweet that just said, this is my one and only tweet. Don't get in. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. And, and then I lost my job and i had to promote the nick bounty thing so i started mm. tweeting okay just my just mark darren ah. my twitter yeah darren. very boring yeah mm. but you know if, if they want to know what your uh what, what project stuff you're getting up to oh next week next week i can't tell if we're doing something worse it can't possibly be worse oh oh it's reveal it, well it's a it's a british show uh our friends uh i don't know if you know these guys mark they're they're both named gav uh one one of them is English I'm, and one I'm of them is Irish. I'm familiar with Gav. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, yes, uh, English and Irish Gav. Uh, we we have them on the show regularly. They used to do a Doctor Who podcast, and we would regularly do sort of crossovers. And uh, yep. Mm-hmm. And so they they have decided we will be watching a show from the '90s called Crime Traveler. Ooh, oh I'm not familiar. Which is that sounds great. exciting. I don't great know title. I don't know if you guys know the expression "time traveler." It's like that, <laughs> but with crime. But with crime, it's the thing. Uh, and they sing about it. Uh huh. They might. I don't know. It's <laughs> all I know is that it's British and it was. It's from the '90s. These guys have done a very good job of choosing sort of off the beaten path British stuff. Like Matt and I are both pretty familiar with the the more popular British stuff, but they managed to find these nuggets of gold, probably stuff they grew up with. It's just like here, you you think you like British stuff? Here, here you go, Anglophile. Try crime trap. <laughs> So uh, we'll that be, sounds amazing. Yeah, we'll be covering the first episode of that. So, uh, I, yeah, that's all for this time. Yeah, see you, folks. The Post Atomic Cop Rock Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this until Star Trek comes back. <laughs>